Well, I'm, I'm just thankful, thankful to be here. Whether I'm there or here, it's a good, good place to be. Uh, the, I preached this message and, uh, of course, been spending time with uh, Pastor Sarah and Vanessa. Where are you guys? Yay. And um, they're doing an awesome job. The church is, is thriving in Cambodia. It took a little while. It always does. But it's like we're in holy mo, holy momentum. Uh, God's taking over, and um, so thankful for them. They're just here for a short season. We're strategizing, making plans for the future, and the team is doing great. Our young missionaries, our Roar graduates, so we have uh, about 13 of them. They're two from Mongolia. Uh, they're always on Facebook. If you're their friends, they're writing me. I, I Skype with them, Skyping with uh, Lily on uh, Monday night, Susie and I. They're like... When you talk to them, they are from another world. They're just so happy, so thankful. Pastor Dick, I got to just tell you what God is doing. Well, I'm there. Pastor Dick's ready to listen because it's, it's so good. And I see them uh, being transfigured, transformed, and they are, we got a lot to be, um, have swag about in the Lord because of our sons and daughters here, there, and everywhere. Amen? So I preached this message the first time uh, in Vietnam, so um, I invited Pastor Sarah and Vanessa to come and part of our leadership team. So you've heard this message before, but hopefully it's fresh, fresh oil. And the title of this message in our, our godly swag series, not boasting in our flesh, but boasting in the Lord, is no limit, no lack, and no boundaries. You ready for it? Don't put on your seatbelt, loosen your seatbelt, and get up and move around the cabin. Amen? Hallelujah. So, Father, we love you, and let's look at first, number one, three points, no limit. Man, we serve an unlimited, we serve a limitless God, and um, what pleases God is our trusting him in that, you know, and Hebrews eleven six talks about faith, without trust, without faith in him, it's impossible to please him, so the more we believe in him, who he is, the more we honor his word. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. Sounds like something from south side of Chicago. Who believes that Jesus is? He is. Amen. He am, but he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him or obey him. Hallelujah. We have any seekers and obeyers in the house? Amen. Well, God promises us a great reward in this life, as well as a reward, there'll be a throne judgment, three throne judgments. The first one's for believers, and we're not going to be condemned. We're forgiven through the blood and our faith in what Jesus did, but there'll actually be rewards that God will give us for what we've done in this life. Isn't that interesting? How many believe we only have one life to live? Yep, no Hindus in the house. They're wrong. There's one life. All our life and our eggs are in this basket. So it's, it's wonderful to trust God, to obey him, because how many have been rewarded since you've come to know Jesus in this life? How many have been rewarded already? Amen. I know I have. Um, Paul, right up to his last letters, he never forgot where he came from. He called himself not the chief apostle, but the chief of sinners. Amen. And I got the greatest life, the greatest wife. Uh, any men want to argue? You're supposed to say, yes, Brother Dick. I got the greatest, greatest wife. Yeah, there you go. That man's, he's on target. But I do. I, every, every man and woman of God, we should believe that our life has been, we should know it. Our life is blessed, not that there's not trials. You have to get new hips sometimes. But, hey, you become a hipster. Just make, make it happen. The strongest part of my body is my hip. I'm not, I'm having God's man of faith and power, having wingmen bring him up here with his, got a special thing to hang my, my walking stick, my scepter, I call it. But um, my life is so blessed. I got the greatest job in the world. I, I trust you do too, or you're entering into that. So it's a happy day uh, to know Jesus, and it gets even better as we continue to trust him, and then eternity will be beyond imagination. So, there's no limit to God, and there's no limit to your and my life and what God will do through us as we trust him. Now, God asks us the question, is there anything too hard for him? Anybody figure out something too hard for God? Yet. 
as they say in Russia. Yet, way back when in Genesis, uh, we have the story of Abraham, Abraham and Sarah. God promised them a son who would be the heir, and through uh, his son, their son, uh, Israel and the, the kingdom of God, that's the inference, the, the influence of God would spread throughout the whole earth as the waters cover the sea, as the sand on the seashore, as the stars in the heaven. That's how fruitful this uh, matrimony of uh, Sarah and Abram were going to be. But guess what? Abraham started getting close to 100. Sarah about 90. She might have been hot, but I don't think she was too hot to trot at 90 years old. And uh, how many know the promises of God, uh, the timing, our times are in his hand when these promises are fulfilled. Hope you're okay with that stuff. But anyway, uh, sure enough, uh, the time came where a son, uh, a natural son came into that family. And um, when it got to the season of where are the promises of God being fulfilled, that's where, where God stepped in, and he, as he does in our lives, and he encourages us. And he said in Genesis 18, 14, is there anything too hard for the Lord? I can make virgins have babies. That's not going to happen too much now, but it did happen when Jesus was born. Is there anything too hard for God? And at the time of, uh, appointed, I will return to you. And at that time in life, Sarah shall have a son. And when God says stuff, he does stuff. You can bring it to the bank. Amen. There's no limit with God. Nothing is impossible. That's one of my watchwords in my life. And um, if I'm hooked up to God, that's true. If I try to do things on my own, yet, no, it's not true. Let's look at God's phone number in the same vein. How many know God's phone number? Right. <laughs> uh, you can put it in your phone. You can put it on fast dial. It's Jeremiah 3. 33.3. Three. Make sure you get the right digits. Jeremiah 33.3. Three. His line ain't never busy. He says, call unto me, Jeremiah 33.3, three, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you've never seen before. Brethren, this is something I know. It's not just a preacher talking. I know we are stepping into the greatest time of human history. I, in my knower, I know. We've been praying for revival. We see the word of God in the last days. God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Our sons and daughters shall prophesy and preach the word of God. We shall lay hands on the sick and they recover. This is the hour we're moving into. It's not like we're going to move into it. I'm, I'm here to declare it's already happening. So if your heart's not stirred yet for more, or as we like to say from Mississippi, mo, um, there's so much more coming. Just Surrender to it, yield to it, even pursue it. And we're moving into new thresholds. God says the latter church will be even greater than the former church. The Bible speaks of revival as rain. In our hour, this hour, the early rain, that's the uh, watering rain for the crops in Israel, it speaks of revival. Preparation rain is going to be mingled with the latter rain, the great harvest rain. A deluge of God's spirit is already coming down. The dew from heaven will turn into copious Louisiana gully washer rains of the Spirit. Are you ready for it? Amen. Are you thirsty for it? Amen. I really am. I've been wanting this for a long time. I've had um, outpourings, different places I've been, different churches we've helped pastor, seen so much grace and glory, but I'm, I'm looking for the Father loot. I hope you are too. Okay, number one, there's no limit. And I want to make a declaration here. You might know this already. You should if you're committed to this house. But we have an amazing supernatural unity in this house. Sister Carol, is it not true? Marion, is it true? Do we all love each other as pastors and elders? Pastors and elders, do we love each other? Amen. Our elders meeting, our leadership meetings, they are. They're becoming like, like times of heaven on earth. We just love each other. We love God gives us grace. We love the church. We love... God's people more and more are emerging into servant leaders. And, you know, uh, Psalm 133 says, where there's unity, God commands his blessings upon that place. And that's why I know revival's coming. And the enemy would try, but I don't think he can even win a little bit. We're just, it's too late. We've already crossed over into loving each other. But again, back in Genesis, Genesis 11:6. 6, 
And the Lord says this, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. We, we speak the word of God. And this is, the, this is only the beginning on what they're going to do. And now nothing they have imagined they can do will be impossible to them. How many enjoy the foyer? How many enjoy all the new rooms that we go to? I enjoy the elevator. <laughs> it's real easy. Two or one or first floor. I asked Susie, well, how do you work? Oh, yeah, it's only two floors. <laughs> but I used it. We had a meeting last Sunday night. And it was like so great. My, hip, my hip's healed. It's just like I said, I'm working on the ankle. Those who prayed for my hip, mission complete. If you want to hit me, hit me in my hip. It's the strongest thing on my body. Don't do that. I'm only kidding. All right? But nothing is impossible with God. God wants us today to take the limits off of him and what he wants to do through little people like you and me. Uh, the great missionary Hudson Taylor had a saying. He said this. He says, um, God does much with a little. Are there any little people here? But he does everything with nothing. Are, are there any zeros? Zeros become heroes as we put our trust in the Lord. Are you with me? Hallelujah. And I'm going to ingest here some, uh, I'm calling them swaggered principles. It's principle number one. We're talking about no limits. It's principle number one. God and men are moved with compassion. Great things happen in this life as somehow God touches our heart, gives us a holy concern. Uh, with compassion, we begin to be moved to pray, to, be, to cry out to God. Nehemiah is a great example in Nehemiah 1. Nehemiah, Nehemiah is in the Babylonian kingdom. He's longing for, for Israel, for Israel to be back in uh, Jerusalem. He inquired, what are, what's the status of the wall of the temple in Jerusalem? And it was decimated. All the stones were down. It was just wrecked. And uh, his heart was broken. And he began to cry out to God. And he began to cry out and ask the king for permission. He was the cupbearer of the king, an important position. Can I go and be part of rebuilding my nation's walls in Jerusalem. And he got permission. And the whole book of Nehemiah is how God took burnt out, destroyed stones. Maybe we, maybe that's you, just like me. Before I became a living stone, I was a dead stone, burnt rubble. And um, God in, in, injects life, inspires us, and brings us together to such a time as this. <coughs> and um, in my life, this is how God's work. I'm going to do a combination of word and then a few testimonies for the glory of God. Is that okay? Because we've been walking with him over 40 years together, right, Susie? It's been a good walk. Got a limp, but we're still moving forward, right? <laughs> Amen. So there's no limit with God, and I found the trigger is when God touches our heart, he begins to, from that point, begins to open doors, open heavens, um, and your life becomes shot from God's gun. When I first got saved, I got saved a little late in life. I was 25 years old, got saved in my last semester of college, was in the Air Force. My parents were smart. Um, Dick, they said, or Dickie, don't call me that because that'll be weird. Uh, why don't you not go to college after high school? Because they, they didn't exactly say this, but you're lost. You're just going to party, and it's going to be a waste of your time and money. Why don't you just go in the Air Force first? It might knock some sense into you. And then you can stand up on Veterans Day. And then, <laughs> and then they said, the, the government will then pay for your college. So it's one of those rare times as a lost son, I listened, went in the Air Force, and sure enough, they paid for my whole college education. Isn't that great? And they even, every month, gave me walking around money. <laughs> I could walk around <laughs> and do stuff. <laughs> but I got saved and I got so saved, I got saved in, the, in what's called the Jesus movement. It was a revival move where young people got saved. And I was around all these high school kids. Uh, I was a student teacher at the time, and I would walk the halls. And all I, I got fired from all the best high schools of northern New Jersey because all I did was tell the kids about Jesus because I was just so excited. You know, I was paid to do math or whatever they wanted me to do, English, but I, I couldn't help myself out of the abundance of your heart. 
Next thing you know, I'm beginning to be banned in the largest high schools of northern New Jersey. And, um, but when I would walk the halls, young people would just follow me, and they wanted to know more about Jesus. Some schools even allowed us to um, have, I used to play a lot of guitar, and I had friends play music, and we did whole concerts all day in public schools just to worship Jesus. Isn't that crazy? That's what was going on. So I got really saved, and I recognized I have found what I'm looking for. I'm in another kingdom. I came out of darkness. I'm in light. Everything is technicolor. This is great. And then I remember looking at the stars one night in West Milford, New Jersey, and I said to God out of the sincerity of my heart, God, I want everybody to know you, you know. Sorry for being a knucklehead for 25 years, but if you could just use me, can you use my life? Help me to see the most people, you know, I didn't know how to pray so good, humanly possible that I can be used of, of you to help lead them to Jesus. So this really happened. And um, the Lord reminded me of this. In the heavens, God made a big map, map of the world. And then he put a box over North Africa, over Europe, over Asia, all the way to Japan, across China, Russia, Indonesia, you know. And he said, that's where you're going to be a fisher of men. That's where, the most of, that's where the big fish are and the most fish are right there. It makes sense if you're a fisherman, go where the fish are, where it's well stocked, right? And I got that from the Lord. Well, I didn't really fully know what that meant, but I sure know what it means now because <laughs> that's where we spend most of our life. And we like to take you with us. And we like to send your sons and daughters. <laughs> and that great, that, that map in the sky was of the Lord, you know. Sometimes when you see things, your hearts move. might take a little time for God to um, fully release you, but we did, be, Susie and I became missionaries, we got married, got it in right order, we got married, then became missionaries, and um, then came back and worked for Pat Robertson, and on and on, but um, it started there. Another time, I heard that there was this school started in the 1700s, this quick, I want to go fast with these stories, but it has a point, because it made us who we are today, and it works that way with you. I just um, heard there was this college in Neshemini, Pennsylvania, north of, of uh, Philadelphia, started by a pastor in 1725. They used to mock it, and they called it the Log College. And he started off with six students, mostly his kids, maybe one other. And he would teach them the word of God. He was a great teacher, and he didn't want to send them to Scotland to Presbyterian seminaries. He just felt like having it in a local church would be great. So somehow, when I was like in my 30s, I resonated. I heard about that school in an out-of-print book called the Log College. And uh, there was a monument that was somewhere there where the Log College was. So one day, while we were visiting our family in northern New Jersey, I went there, and I looked all day, and finally I found uh, in the woods this monument covered with vines. No one cares about it. And there it says, Home of the Log College. And from that school, revivalists went forth to the Atlantic seaboard, to New England, and preached in the pulpits, and God created through his grace and outpouring and through the preaching of fiery servants, the great awakening, which established the foundation for our nation. That's pretty cool, right? And then as I was, um, yeah, give God a hand. You know, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Little you, little me, big God. Do the math, right? Anyway, as I looked at that thing, there was a big brass plate. It was made out of stone. And then it listed a hundred universities that came out of that school. Ivy League universities, including Princeton, went across the river, became a, and at, at that time, Princeton was a hot seminary for Jesus. I tried to go there, but God said, nope, I'm going to train you another way. So that little that I know, I knelt down. I don't always do this because you don't want to make many vows before God, right, Gerenter? To each other, well, to the Lord, to each other. But be careful what you vow. You better make sure you do what you say. Are you with me? Your words have consequences. But I did. I knelt. I said, Jesus, I'm, I'm young. I'm in my 30s. I said, if you could ever use me to help equip and train and vision and power this next generation of revivalists, um, I would like really like to do that with my life. You know, hardly know what I'm praying, right? Well, next, next thing you know, 20 or so years later, that's what I do. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this, there is no limit with God, and the, the, the trigger to tapping into God's limitless power.
power for your life is to be touched in your heart, kneel down, and things begin to happen because God sees your heart and he hears your voice. Are you with me? Last one I'll do is, is uh, with Russia. Susie and I, and um, we, Russia was on our heart because we're kind of Russian historical people from our grandparents. I'm Ukraine. You're, uh, what country are you? Lithuania. Tiny little Lithuania. Tiny girl. Tiny little girl. <laughs> I'm more Ukraine, but it's sim Russian. There's some similarities. They'd argue, but there are. Anyway, we were at a friend who um, started the first church in Moscow as, as 70 years of communism had fallen, and I had the privilege to preach there, and so I preached the word. After the, it was a thousand-member church, and after I got done, the, the altar was just swarmed with people, a lot of babushkas and dadushkas, grandmothers and grandfathers, and uh, they were all there, tears coming down their faces, and they just hugged us, and, and they kept putting pieces of paper in our hands, so I asked the translator, what, what are these pieces of paper? Well, the pieces of paper were the name of their city or their villages, and they wanted us to bring a church to their city and their village because they have no church no life-giving church to place to be taught or discipled. Anybody think your heart would be touched? So we had plans to start maybe one church here and there. But, man, I went home and I got on my face. And the next thing I know, God says to me, I want you to start 25 churches, and I want you to start them, like, really fast. And I'm still a, I'm a young minister in his early 40s. And I know how, hard, how f far Russia is, and they're the, they've, they're the ones who invented bureaucracy, you know. And uh, I knew how hard it was we're doing one, 25, and that shocked me. Usually the things that God is going to tell you to do are impossible. If it's not impossible, it's not God, okay? For, for real, I'm talking about the deep stuff that's going to have impact on many people. But I found in my life... As I yield to the Lord, first I freak out, then next, in a, in a real moment of time, I got joy, because this is going to be an adventure. <laughs> it's going to be great to see how God is going to take a, a little man, a little dust man, and, and do this, because um, when I went and submitted to, I directed a mission organization there out of um, Brother Rod's church. Our church was called Reserve Church, but it, we were not reserved. And I submitted it to all my presbyters for the mission organization. Hey, God spoke to my heart. He wants us to do 25 churches. And I told them in one summer, I was young and zealous. May I always be old and zealous. Amen. <laughs> but I had, they had wisdom. It's always good to submit things even when you think you have a word from the Lord. And I said, Pastor Dick, or Brother Dick, they call you down south. Can, you, can we do this maybe in, in two years? Ah, oh, I had such a hard time. Ah. Okay, two years. You're, you're listening to an idiot talking, right? I had a word from the Lord, but sometimes you need to massage that word. And, and two years for 25 churches, how many think that's pretty good? So we had what we called uh, music festivals. They were crusades. 2,000 short-term people came. 140 missionary families we placed there in two years. 25 churches, sometimes 1,000-member churches in one week took place. It was a miracle. Just that alone. How many know that's a miracle? Buildings that the communists never filled were filled. Every, every sickness, every disease was healed right before my eyes. I've never seen all this. Blind eyes, lame walking, deaf, deaf and dumb, speaking, hearing. And my translator is just looking at me and say, what is going on? I said, I don't know. But God is here. <laughs> so God, when he touches us and somehow our hearts are released with compassion. I see Greg and Debbie over there. Debbie was our administrative assistant for a season, but she had on her heart one day to have celebrate recovery. Now, look what we have. We're celebrating a lot of recovery. So I want to make this real to you. Uh, I'm, I'm using our lives as an example. Believe me, we're not perfect. We're not heroes. We started off just like everybody else, zeros, and I don't want to get too far from that. You put your trust in God. But out of that, we're together reaching the world um we'll have our 12th roar school starting we just got the amen from pakistan for next year so the <laughs> give them glory so here's that swagger principle uh, number one god and men that means women 
are moved with compassion. That's how stuff gets moved. Even though God can do limitless things, we got to connect with him. And he, we connect in our heart when he touches our heart. Are you with me? And the second um, swagger principle, number two, a man with a word from God can change the world. Here I am, a 30-something or 40-something-year-old minister, been missionary for one year. Who am I to go and start 25 churches? And I remember key leaders, real famous people, who, if I said their name, you'd, you'd remember them, know them. They met me in Moscow, one of them I was having dinner with, and he says, they actually said to me, uh, Dick, who do you think you are? Do you think you're like an apostle or something? You're not going to start 25 churches. I said, I don't know if I'm an apostle, but God said to start 25 churches, so I believe we're going to start 25 churches. Amen? And guess what? Now there's near 100 churches. They all got started. <laughs> Glory to God. I'm trying to make this real. We're not heroes here. We're hero makers. But we, just like you, just wanted to love God, maximize our life for him. He would touch our heart at different times, and then stuff would squirt out, which is still producing fruit today. That's how it works. doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. Uh, if, you're, if you want to get into the jet stream, the Jesus stream, there's no limit on what God can do through your life. Are you encouraged? Amen. Okay, no limit with God as we cleave to him. Number two, there's no lack with God. As we're hooked up with Jesus, he moves sometimes really fast, sometimes slow, but when he moves, we move with him, and, and amazing things happen. There's no lack, and uh, if we're really involved seeking first his heart, his will, what pleases him, seeking first the kingdom of God, God says in Matthew 6, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So it's been my experience with Russia. I, I don't know how, how many millions of dollars it costs to move sound equipment in 2,000 short term and 140 families. And all the times we came back and forth, we'd be there for three months, go recruit for three months, go back. I mean, it cost millions of dollars, but it was like no sweat. Amy, the millions of dollars just came. <laughs> People prayed and paid, and we obeyed. Paul wrote to the, his favorite church was the church in Philippi, the Philippian church. And anybody know why? I feel like I'm back on the roar. Anybody know why this was Paul the Apostle, first missionary's favorite church? Shout it out. Because they were the most faithful in giving to his mission, going to the nations of the world. I don't know how big a church they were. But he wrote to them. You look in Philippians. He just thanked them. When no one else was supporting his work, I mean, he's called of God to go to the nations, called of God to write two-thirds of the New Testament. And they were the most faithful church. And because they were faithful to his ministry and to the mission of the church, famous scripture, he said in Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Brethren, we are a unified church. We love each other. We are a giving church. We are a generous church. Why? Because together we're generous people. You're faithful with those, those ties are holy. They belong to God. Give them to him, and many of you are. But also when, when something comes up and we say we need $10,000 to build dorms in India, guess what? In one offering, $10,000 came forth. Anybody think that's pretty great? Amen. All our missionaries, all our sons and daughters are provided for. They're supported. All the missionary schools, uh, excuse me, the um, Roar schools, well, they are missionary schools. Uh, it's like amazing. Someone came up today and said, Pastor Dick, I want to give the next three months for what school was that? For all the Roar schools. <laughs> you know, there's no limit in God. And where God guides us individually, corporately, he provides for us. Isn't it wonderful? It's like a complete package, and it's fun. I feel like Fox and Friends in the morning. Romans 8.31 and verse 32. What shall we say to these things? I think we just need to thank God. If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, 
how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Anybody's life blessed since you've trusted and obeyed the Lord in this house? Amen. God, not only, Susie, has God provided for us and five kids and even, even a lot of my wants, God gives. Susie says, some of them God gives, some of them you give. I, I can read her mind, but uh, God loves me. Huh? That's demonic, like reading your mind. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> All right. There's no limit in God, and as we're hooked up, as we're cleaving to Jesus, there's no limit in what God can do through our lives individually and corporately. Nick and Che, am I speaking the truth? Are you living your dream? The dream is starting, right? After the roar, reaching out to brokenhearted people. Amen. Swagger principle number three, and this relates to, to giving and receiving from the Lord. Tight spots in God. Anybody been in tight spots even when you're obeying God? Finances are looking tight. Someone say tight. Tight spots in God become hot spots in God. If you're in God, are you with me? I'm not talking about foolishness. Um, can I give you two quick stories here? When after we got done with Russia, and I'm always looking for God, what's the next thing? Sometimes God says, hey, why don't you just rest for a minute? I've learned that a little bit. But anyway, not that much, but a little bit. Anyway, the point is, um, I, I knew God wanted us next to go to Mongolia and get, get some stuff moving there. So um, I'm there in one of my first trips. I borrowed somebody's winter coat, so I wasn't really familiar with it. And um, while I'm buying some maps in the capital city with one other missionary, maps of Mongolia, I, I like maps. And um, these little street urchin, lost Mongolian kids with sticky fingers and fast cleaned me out, Jerry. I had 800 American dollars in my pocket. That was it for the whole two-week trip. Gone. Next thing I know, I got maps, but I got no money. That's what you call a tight spot. There's no credit cards. There's no ATMs. If you bought something in Mongolia, the change they would give you would be chewing gum. It was like, it was early days. It was a, it was a frontier country in the early 90s. So I'm there like, wow, God, I'm in a tight spot. So my friend had a little money. We got our hotel right in Ulaanbaatar, like kind of an old, small hotel. And I'm, I'm thinking, okay, God, wh what are we going to do here? Can't call home. Um, I don't know anybody. And I'm walking up my stairs to my room, and somebody calls my name. Dick Bashta, is that you? And it wasn't my friend. And I looked around, just glanced at somebody. And it was a pastor I had met one time. He pastors a mega church in uh, North Carolina. He just recently retired. And um, he says to me, he's going to the airport. The chances of him seeing me, recognizing me, is a nanosecond. Just as, as he's going out the door, he just caught me in his eye. And he says to me, do you need anything? And I said, yes, I need $800. <laughs> Unfortunately, he was a pastor from a mega church, so he just peeled off eight, uh, eight $100 bills, gave me a hug. I asked God to bless his trip home. And God, there's no lack in God. Are you with me? But you don't experience these things unless you step out and obey God. I mean, he'll do, he'll do stuff to help us along the way because he loves us. But when you really get out there, when you're on the limb, that's where the big fruit is. I have found, amen, just hang on to Jesus. One more, how many remember, she, I don't think she'd mind, uh, she got married, so she's not here right now. Shannon was in our Roar School about five or six. Where's uh, Caitlin? Where are you, Caitlin? I think I saw her. Where are you? Yeah, you remember Shannon. <laughs> you remember Shannon, right? Uh, Sarah and Vanessa, she was in, in your class. It was a great class, great Roar Revival class. Anyway, um, part of the tradition in the Roar is that to graduate, you've got to believe for $3,000 to go on your two-month internship to an appropriate country. Shannon at that year was going to Russia with a few others. And, and everybody made it. Remember that? Everybody had all their money, cash in hand. But Shannon, you guys might not know this, Shannon was $2,000 short and the time was up. And it was my sad job to have to meet with her in my office right over there that doesn't exist anymore. It's now a lobby. 
and and I hate hated to do it, but this is we have to learn faith. We're not here just learning stuff. We got to learn faith and trust in God. Whatever happened, she was two thousand short. So I'm sitting with her and not relishing what I'm going to have to say that she's not going to finish the roar and she can't graduate. But you got to do what you got to do. And I opened my mouth and my phone ring. I said, "Excuse me, Shannon." So I get it, and then a, a pastor called me from somewhere. I don't even remember who it was. And he says, Pastor Dick, uh, God just put you on my heart. Is there anything that you need? And I said, yeah, I don't need $800. I need, I didn't say that, I need $2,000. <laughs> and I explained what for. He says, the check will be in the mail today. So I got to go sit with Shannon and open my mouth and say, Shannon, we're going to Russia. <laughs> Amen. She did. <laughs> Sarah and Vanessa, you were, were you were in Russia too? Were you in that, that Russia at that time too? Vanessa, were you in Mongolia? You weren't married yet. Yeah. These Roar students get married after they graduate. Not when, until they graduate. All right. We don't advertise that, but that does happen sometimes. So finishing up here, with God for each of us, no limit. There's no lack. I'm telling you from experience what I know based on the word of God and from my life. And then lastly, there's no boundaries. You know, how many know after Jesus resurrected from the grave, he visited them in the upper room. He walked through walls. There's no walls in God. There's no limit in God. He, the famous scripture, Matthew 28, Jesus came and spoke to his disciples. These are the last words of Jesus at the end of every gospel. He's spoken to them, and he said, All power is given unto me in the heavens and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, all ethnic groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. So, no boundaries, no limit, no lack. God, if you're really asking God to take hold of your heart, there's no telling <laughs> what he's going to do with you. Like, we never knew we'd be in Crown Point. How many never knew you'd be in Crown Point? A lot of hands. Where were you guys? <laughs> but somehow, as we're yielded to the Lord, God uses various things to get us where he wants us. And he also sends, in this hour, it's, the Bible says the harvest is the end of the age. God is calling us to the nations of the world. Amen? All right. There's a principle, last principle I want to say. Swagger principle number four. So there's no boundaries in God. Don't think that that can't be you. You know, I'm the last guy that should travel the world. I've, my joints have always hurt. Since the moment I got saved, I got hit with arthritis. Some of you who know me know that. So sometimes it's okay, sometimes it's not okay. And to move luggage and stuff, I'm the last guy in the world to be traveling all over the world. But there's no boundaries with God. God just, I have to just depend on God's grace and keep on smiling. And, um, and so do you. But the last principle, swagger principle number four, God and history favor the bold, the brave, and the believing. Okay, all men of, men of God here, pretend you're with me. You're seven years old, right? Sarah, are you with me? You're seven. When it starts snowing, I'm like a seven-year-old. Some of you know that. But um, if you saw a hornet's nest hanging from a tree, what, what are we going to do with that hornet's nest? We're not going around the hornet's nest. <laughs> We're going to hit it. Uh, living in Louisiana, I found, about, I found out about fire ants, these hills in your lawn, and I was cutting my grass, and a, a barefoot shouldn't do that. And um, I saw this mound, so I just flattened it out with my foot. It was full of fire ants. They call them fire ants for a reason. They hurt. They bit my legs, my feet. I was hopping around. And, um, but you know what? If I see Eddie now, I'm just going to hit him and run. But there's something in young men, even seven-year-olds, and young and mature women in God to be bold, to be brave, and this is the Holy Ghost in us, and, and to believe God and do great things. We're not timid. We don't shy back. We're bold as a lion. Are you with me? Ba I'm back in Russia right now. Susie reminded me of this story she wanted me to say. We got lots of stories, but we got to go. We got to pray and go. Okay, we're in Russia. We just got done with our first summer. We saw 12 churches started, so many saved, miracles. And coming back is with my local church, with the city of Ijevsk. We took a 
bus and train back. We get back to Moscow to, to hug them and send them back home. And there's these mafia guys all around our bus, big, giant mafia guys, look like Philistines. And they're there. They speak to my interpreter, and this big, giant guy, he was, he was like, like a giant. And he said, um, you're not getting on the bus unless you give us $100. Or you can't, no, no, you can't take the bus from this point. We got off a train on the bus. That, that was going to take everybody to the airport. We are living in Russia. But anyway, that made me mad because I said to him, and my, I got a little young, young man interpreter, I said to him, you're going to burn in hell to this giant guy because I was mad. Sometimes, but I was in the spirit. I said, you're going to burn in hell. We've been here blessing, doing good, loving the people of Russia. How dare you? This came out of my spirit. How dare you stand in the way and expect us to, to pay money to go home? You need to be paying us. That's what I said. My interpreter looked at me, and he, and he, he wouldn't say it. <laughs> I, said, I said, say it. I'm paying you. So he, so he said it. You're going to burn in hell. And so what is this giant, there's a bunch of them, giant mafia guy, this, is, this happened, he takes his shirt off, and his body is all burnt beyond, he's been in some kind of fire in Afghanistan or something. He goes, I have already been to hell. Well, that's great. <laughs> that didn't work. <laughs> but, but, I got the Holy Ghost swagger in me, and, and you can't make this stuff up. You don't, you don't learn this in Bible school, you learn it being out on the limb. So I said, we're not paying. And the bus driver, through the interpreter, is saying, you better pay. He's, they're going to slash the bus tires. They're serious. They're, they're, these are wicked guys, you know. They're not saved yet. So I said, no, nah, we're not going to pay. So just I said, all the women, get on the bus. This is the bus going to the airport. Men had about 20, 25 men. We started doing a Jericho march around the bus. Every time we went around, they had never seen any, anything like this, you know. And that's, that's how it works with the devil. He's never seen Christians in the 21st century, by and large, being bold, hitting the hornet's nest, stepping on the fire ants. Every time we went around the bus, the women are just looking at us out of the windows. It got $90, $80, $70. And it got down to $10, and the bus driver caved, and he paid it himself in rubles. <laughs> I said, why did you do that? We could have got it for nothing. And he just, he was nervous. <laughs> so God bless the bus driver. Are you with me? So God and history favor, and we get this from God, the bold, the brave, and the believing. My last scripture, and we're going to pray. First, this is one of my best favorite stories. How many have wonderful stories you love in the Bible? This comes out of 1 Samuel 14.1. And here we have Jonathan, the son of Saul, and his armor bearer. The whole, all of Israel surrounded by Philistines. There's probably millions of them out there, and they're just a bunch of grasshoppers. There's hardly any of them. But um, it says this, verse 1 in 1 Samuel 14. Now it happened one day. Brethren, I want to declare that this is one day. Something's going to happen in your heart, in my heart. Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man, who bore his armor, come, let's go over to the Philistines' garrisons that is on the other side. And then the armor bearer in verse 16 says to Jonathan, um, oh, the, the Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. And basically, paraphrasing, and let's see what God's going to do. Brethren, how many want to live a life we only got one life, right? We're not Hindus. One life. Why not live a life trusting the God who can do the impossible with no limits, who can provide and with no lack, and also will make us bold and brave with no boundaries? Why not trust him with our lives and see what he will do for us? And they went and confusion came into the millions of Philistines. They all slaughtered each other, and they got the prey. They took all the money, all the food, all the yogurt, whatever they had there. Greek yogurt, whatever it was. <laughs> but, brethren, this is the way to live. This is living. Amen? Huh? This is, this is, 
the swag comes from not our flesh. It comes from God. How do you think I felt with the guy who looked like he had burned in hell? He's like seven foot tall. His arms were, were all burned, and he was ugly. But you know what? He got no money, honey. And, and he met his match because he got, he got Jesus people not, not going to bend and bow who are doing his will. And that's the end of the message. Now, but it's not the end of your life. So I want to pray with you. And I'm going to say, just obey God. The altars, we're going to do something different. The elders aren't going to be here to pray for you. The elders probably want to come down here. Elders are, we, we put elders in place because they're, they're full of faith. Faith, that's one of the characteristics of an elder. They have faith in God. But all of us want to trust God more. I do. I'm going to be right here with you. But I'm going to just open up. I'm opening the altar. If there's, if there's a door here, the door is open. But brethren, the most important thing, I believe the heavens are open. And I believe this November 11th, 2018, this, now it happened one day. And it happens as we just totally surrender to Jesus and we totally say, I, I just love the word consume. Lord, consume my life. No matter what age you are, how long you've been in the Lord, out of the Lord, just coming to the Lord. Why not ask God to maximize your life, to release within you a spirit of faith, a spirit of swagger boldness, and let's see what God's going to do. What do you think? If, if we each did that, God help all the demons and the lost people in the world. They're going to get saved. Nations are going to be set free. We're going to hasten the coming of the Lord. We're going to see signs, wonders, and miracles. We're going to have a happy life. We're going to do front flips and back flips. Are you with me? We're going to grow hair. It's going to be great. <laughs> we'll get new hips. Whatever, it, whatever we need, God will bless our life. So can I have somebody on, on the keys or uh, okay, thank you. Somebody on the, on the CD. Thank you, Darren. Amen. So I'm just going to pray. And if you feel prompted just to come, not, we're not going to labor here. You can stay as long as you want, as long as you lock up. But we're, we want to let God have his way. God do his work in our hearts. It all comes from God. I can't boast in anything Susie and I have done. It's all for the glory of God. It's by his grace, his enabling power. But it always started by just humbling ourselves and just pulling the trigger, God touching our hearts, and then trusting God, and then wonderful things happen for the glory of God. So um, the altar is open, heavens open, come before the Lord. Now it happened this day, November 11th. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Brethren, this is real life. This is a real God. He has plans and purposes for, for your life. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard all that God has prepared for those who trust him, who love them, who obey him. God, God does much with a little. He does everything with nothing. I think that cat covers everybody. This is the hour, Jesus said, of greater works. Greater works, meaning by numbers, more than Jesus did, that Jesus himself did, are going to happen in these last days. It's going to happen through people like you and me who just love Jesus, who have who've step, are stepping out on a limb. But the good news is that's where the fruit is. The good news is, is the limb is Jesus. It, the, the bow is not going to break. He's going to hold you, and it's going to be great, and it's going to be glorious. There's no limit what God can do through you. There's no lack. Where God guides, he provides. And there's no boundaries. If we look at who we are and we say, well, I can't do that. No, stop that. Mo uh, Moses said the same thing. I can't speak. But God says, well, I'll help you. I'll help you. Actually, it's the area sometimes you're weakest in that God wants to be the strongest. So during the first service, I came up and knelt down, and I didn't know what to ask the Lord for. I said, Lord, just I give you my life again. Do whatever you want. You put the prayer in me to ask you back. 
And I felt like the Lord was saying to ask him that in the next 10 years of my life that I would do more for his kingdom than I had in all the years previous to that. And I sealed that and I asked him for that. And I felt like then he said, challenge the older people, the more mature people maybe in the, in the body. Don't think that because you're a certain age that this was for the young ones. I want to challenge you. Your best days, your best years in God's kingdom are ahead because you can mentor others. You can maybe even give more. You can go. You're freer. And so my heart is for people that are our age. And just believe God for great things for your life because he wants to show himself strong. He wants to do that in you. Lord, we bow, we bend before you, and Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, fire, come. Don't just lick us with your fire. Consume us. Consume us with your everlasting holy burnings, your flaming flame that will never go out. Let the fire never go out in our hearts and our devotion and our love for you. Father, burn the wood, hay, and stubble, those carnal things in our lives that aren't going to amount to much. We think they're so great. They're not so great. Father, just purify our hearts, purify our motives, purify our lives. Lord, take our lives. Lord, I'm praying for myself. I'm praying for everyone here bowed and bended. Maximize our lives for your kingdom. Help us. And I hear the Lord saying, if maybe you, you did think you were going to do something, now it's different. Like Susie said, you're older now. No, God's going to open up those treasure chests for you, and he's going to give you opportunities. It's not... It's not over. The dream is not over in your life. The Lord spoke to me as I was meditating on this message from uh, Psalm 23. The last verse says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That word literally means, I looked it up. In Hebrew, it means goodness and mercy won't just follow, but they will overcome me, and they will tackle me, and they will possess me. As you give your life to God, you'll... You're losing nothing. You're gaining everything. You're gaining the kingdom of God. You're gaining the glory of God. You're gaining the joy of serving him, of, of seeing your life maximized, seeing your gifts come to fruition. Oh, there's nothing better. Oh, there's nothing better. So, Lord, I'm just asking that as, as these hard heads and hearts are bowed, that goodness and mercy will tackle them in the days ahead that as Susie and I have been alive a little longer, that their life will be even more fruitful and more fiery and more fun than, than ours. Lord, this is the, these are the last hours. You've saved the best wine, the best anointing for us's. So, Father, would you pour out the fire, pour out the wine upon these precious ones in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.